episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 4, Episode 8, Ma Dalton. The original air date for this episode was January 23rd, 1989. It was directed by Rob Bowman, and it was written by John Welpley. Uh, Why don't we discuss this episode in brief? Uh, In this episode... MacGyver and Jack Dalton go on a quest to discover what happened to Jack's mother. Right. Who mysteriously, I don't say mysteriously vanished, but uh, she's actually on the run. She's a fugitive. Right. Which stands to reason. Yeah. That you like, get what, this from someone. Like mother, like son. Yeah. Um, we start with a shot of the marina. Yeah. Which we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, we haven't. I can't even remember the last time we were at the houseboat. I don't think we saw it this season yet. Uh, but, uh, it's, so it was a surprise to see it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, MacGyver comes in injured. He's already in in the, in the early stages of being injured. He just Uh, came back from a trip. He's been around the Arctic circle doing mm -hmm. some whaling expedition. Yeah. Killing Uh, whales. (laughs) (laughs) No, tracking whales or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when he first comes into his, uh, place, he finds that, it's completely destroyed. Which as, he should have expected, because anytime yeah. he gets home and he's exhausted and he's carrying a bunch of luggage, then he comes home to Jack in his living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jack Dalton is has decided to build an ultralight plane indoors, indoors, <laughs> inside. Jack's inside, like the the fuselage, yeah. the kind of like like little pod cockpit, yeah. trying to build it from the inside. His head sticking through the wings. Yeah. Um, it's or a, some of the parts of the yeah, wings. Yeah. Some of them are balanced over the. The spiral staircase and MacGyver mm. promptly walks right into it. Yeah, it's it's a really funny setup that has no payoff, yeah. which kind of upset me. I thought for sure this ultralight was going to play into the episode. Yeah, that, um, that would have been fun, actually. Uh, but it, it yeah, but we it's still certain... haven't gotten to the the ultralight payoff in this series. Yeah, later on we will actually have a, oh yeah an that... ultralight in a plot point. <laughs> that's a that's a rough one though. Yeah, it's it's not a great episode, but it's a fun MacGyverism. Um. But yeah, so he gets home and uh, Jack makes a quick mention of his bandaged hand, which mm-hmm. MacGyver excuses as a case of frostbite. Yeah. Which sounds a lot like when he had some dumb excuse when he was making the eggnog and mm-hmm. Harry asked him about it. The perils of science. Yeah, the perils of science, which I, I'm almost certain means that he hurt himself on set or, mm-hmm. or offset. Yeah. Because yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like there was anything last week that would have caused this injury in right, particular. Right, right. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was just, uh, he had to bandage his hand up cause it was messed up mm-hmm. cause he's Richard Dean Anderson seems fairly prone to injury. Yeah. Um, and so he's the whole rest guy. of the episode, we have a lot of close ups. So I think they were like, let's just address it head on so that mm-hmm. we don't, we don't oh, have to come up with an excuse. That's what you do. I mean, the whole time. I, I mean, mean, nowadays they wouldn't. Yeah. Now, nowadays, if somebody hurt their hand, they would be like, all right, we're going to cover it up with like a flesh tone mm-hmm. electrical tape or like keep well, it out of sight the whole time. Uh, in the third Transformers movie, uh, Shia LaBeouf during the production That's had true. hurt himself. And so they just made it part of the movie. I was at work like five blocks away when he got in that car accident. <laughs> and he like, he flipped his truck on the corner of like Hollywood and La Brea or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, that was crazy. Oh, Shia. Um, so while MacGyver is yelling at Jack, like, I want you out of my house, uh, a mail carrier arrives and he delivers mail for Jack. Yeah. To his so, house. Yeah. So she, she's, she's, and she's even familiar with Jack's reputation 
because she says this bills, so time to move again, Jack. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that Jack is just like crashing people's houseboats all yeah. across the neighborhood. Um, and uh, but inside, Jack opens up a letter that has a, a photograph, uh, an old photograph from the Korean War, of right. a bunch of uh, crew members of a plane, a bomber. Yeah, it's a it's a cool plane, and it says Francine on the side of it with like mm-hmm. an illustration of a pinup. Yeah. Character. And while MacGyver's yelling at Jack, he notices that Jack has stopped listening. Yeah. Because he's engrossed in the photo, and now even MacGyver's realizing that Mac is troubled, or Jack is troubled about something. Yeah. I do that every time. Every time we do a Mac and Jack episode, I, I switch their names around. That's the, that's the producer's fault <laughs> for allowing these characters to be named the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so Jack is convinced, well, I mean, he the letter uh, agrees with, with his it's, assumption that... It says a friend at the end of mm-hmm. it, but yeah. Uh, Jack believes that the photograph was sent by his mother. Right. Um, and that she's been sending him his father's personal effects over the last couple of years, including his trademark uh, cap. And according to the letter, his father was killed in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the plane, as we are, well, we kind, of, we kind of come from here to Jack revealing that he was adopted. Right. That he his mother put him up for adoption while he was in diapers, which is odd because that's what he was going to do with his baby. Yeah. Like the moment that the moment that he got it, um, and and I was about to make a huge note and like go back and research episodes because I know for sure that MacGyver and Jack have talked about growing up together and each other's parents. See, I don't and, I don't recall that having happened. I'm sure it did. Um, and I was gonna like, oh yeah, like wait a minute, how are they gonna do this? And then they retcon it here where MacGyver says, wait, well, wait so who are your parents in high school? And yeah, foster parents. Yeah, so I was like, oh okay, they did address it. Yeah. Damn but it. the guy in this picture looks like Bruce McGill. It might yeah. even just be. I think it just a is Bruce, Bruce McGill. McGill taken from far enough away that you can't tell it's the same guy. Uh, same mustache and everything. Yeah, same mustache, same flight suit, and everything. Uh, so they take the uh, the photograph to Pete, who's able to confirm, based on the airplane and like the registry of the airplane, that this is the flight crew that it was flown by Captain Jack Dalton. Yeah, and that. Uh, Jack Dalton, as far as his military paperwork, was credited as having a wife and a child. Um, the wife, Francine, which is the same name as right. written on the side of the plane, is currently a wanted fugitive. Right. And she's going by Francine Leyland. Mm-hmm. But, which is her, like, maiden. Yeah, that's her maiden name, yeah. So, uh, Jack is, like, you know, realizing that, you know, that his mother's still alive, but now realizing that she's a wanted felon... And it was uh, it was some kind of a some kind of money embezzlement stock exchange kind of thing. It was like a it's a big deal, but she was involved somehow. Yeah. Uh, and so, in the midst of this, Mac and Jack are determined to try to see what happened to her, um, because their only link now is uh, the bail bondsman, who because she skipped bail. Right. Sorry, I'm kind of like. Like, reading my nose out of order here. Um, yeah, so Francine Dalton uh, skipped bail. And, uh, you know, she got out of jail with the bail money. I think it was a $100,000 bail. Yeah. And, you know, this is... I need to really kind of look this up. I don't understand how bail works. Like... Well, someone puts it up for you. Right. On your behalf. And then if you skip town, then they keep the money. The jail yeah. keeps the money. Yeah. So, like, you're in jail. 
and you it's a it's a hundred thousand dollar bond bail. Yeah. So you go to a bail bondsman who gives you a hundred thousand dollars to get out, and then you have to pay that person back probably plus interest, right? Right. But if you skip bail, right, you don't have to pay them back at all. Because and that's when you would have well, a, you're a fugitive and you have to pay them back eventually. Yeah. Um, that's why they would send a bounty hunter out to get you. Right. But if you're arrested again, how are you going to pay the bail? You're not going to. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't understand how this system works. It doesn't seem like that there's any kind of protection in place for it. Yeah. These um, poor bail bonds people. Yeah. <laughs> They're just... Being taken advantage of. Oh, these by ruthless They're criminals. They're trying to lend a helping hand. They're not trying to put people in crippling lifelong debt. Right. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I'm just looking out for the little guy, Pat. Yeah, the bail bonds person. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Mr. Aladdin. <laughs> whatever Aladdin the other... bail bonds. Uh, Mr. What? Aladdin. <laughs> what, what was the other... <laughs> there was, that was probably a local one. I'm trying to remember the jingle now for another bail bondsman. But that's their first lead. Their first lead is the bail bondsman, Marty Rico. Uh, and uh, he's basically uh, Joey Pants' character from Midnight Run. Like, weaselly, fast-talking, uh, doesn't give a crap about anybody. And the layout of this room looks exactly like Joey Pants' office mm-hmm. in that movie, which came out five months before this episode. Right. Uh, and uh, we also introduced, I mean, to a minor character of Don, who's Rico's secretary. Uh, their only clue now uh, with Francine Dalton, based on the bail bonds and the, the report of who she called Francine when she was in jail, and she called... Uh, some guy uh, who is connected to the flight crew. Uh, I, I can't remember his name. I only have his name as Sparky. So Marty Rico makes an offer to MacGyver and Jack that if she, they can bring in Francine, that he'll pay them the 10% bounty that he would pay anybody. Uh, but, of course, MacGyver and Jack aren't interested in the bounty. They're interested in finding Francine yeah. for the answers, not for to turn her in. Yeah. So Rico then six. Expert bounty hunter, Colton. I don't know if we ever get his first name. Um, I want to say it's Jack. It's Jesse Colton. Jesse Colton, okay. Because yeah. Jack uh, Jack Colton, I think, is Michael Douglas's character in Romancing the Stone. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't think they put two Jacks in a Mac in this episode. Yeah. So it's a little <laughs> confusing. But yeah. This, yeah, Jesse Colton is the first of the Colton crew mm-hmm. that we meet. Uh, played by uh, Richard Lawson. Right. Uh, who I only really knew from uh, Poltergeist. Right. Like, I saw that credit, and I was like, oh, that's right, he was Poltergeist. And this is his first of three appearances on the show, the last mm-hmm. of which will be the Colton's backdoor pilot. Right. They bring together all the characters that we've introduced so far into mm-hmm. one piece. Um, and it's a better episode than, than a lot of them. I think it probably at least deserved... A series run, but I don't think it. Yeah, happened. it didn't. It didn't it never happen. Never got picked up. So now Colton is after them. <laughs> so we were also talking about Lord Bowler from mm-hmm. Briscoe County. Oh Jr., yeah, absolutely. Which definitely seems derivative from specifically the Jesse Colton character. Because they, there's even a scene where Colton like has them and he goes, huh, huh, huh. and that yeah. was, and that was a uh, Bowler's like trademark like little thing yeah. that is like he had like that three little half but it's chuckle. Like this big buff black bounty hunter mm-hmm. character that always wears a cowboy hat and yeah, like a yeah. poncho and like walks around. I can't remember his name. Bowler's name is the Jules. 
Yeah, because he, he passed away. Oh, did he? Uh, yeah, and that was like a really upsetting thing for Bruce Campbell. I'm not surprised. I mean, he couldn't have been that old. Julius Carey. Julius Carey, yeah. Oh, so I was laughing a little bit because uh, my little credit for Colton, it says Bounty Hunger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was an autocorrect. G and T are pretty close. Yeah. Uh, so now uh, Colton is after them, but now we also get another group of people after them. Arthur Bandell, who is basically the mastermind of the kind of corruption money laundering scheme. Yeah. Um, who Francine was working for and made off with evidence that would convict him. Right. So as long as she is alive... There had to be some, like, righteousness to the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as long as she's alive, he's in danger. Right. So he becomes aware because Don, who's Rico's secretary, calls Bandel. I guess somehow she has some kind of connection to him. Right. And uh, lets him know that Jack Dalton, Francine Dalton's son, is looking for her... And that they're on her trail. Right. So so now we have another set of bad guys. Uh, they're just named Kenny and Dave. And they're yeah. kind of a funny pair because Dave is like, kind of like, yeah, I want to I get, you know, got my gun. I'm ready to go. And Kenny, with the name Kenny, you think he'd be the kind of goofier guy. Yeah. But he's like the more sophisticated. Yeah. But they're good friends. Like, like they, they work well as a team. Like yeah. They're not at odds with each other. Yeah. It's just like they're, they're like their little unit. Um, so they're now after them. Yeah. So we got three different groups of people here all after Francine. Uh, it's making for a very exciting episode. Yeah. Uh, so their next step leads them to the wingman bar because that's the, the, where the phone call was placed. Right. Which may or may not have been on the show before. I think it has. I well, think I mean, it, the room definitely has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whether or not it was supposed to be the wingman bar the last time mm. is unclear. But it seems like it must. They must be implying it's a new bar, right? Because in uh, uh, Rock the Cradle, right, right. Uh, this is the bar that Jack's girlfriend worked at, or ex-girlfriend worked at, mm-hmm. when she leaves him with a baby, who is the Jack Junior. In that episode, this episode, right. Jack is the Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but it's a it's everything is flight themed. There's like model planes hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this, we mentioned it before on the show, there's like a, it's supposed to look like a tower on a runway. Right, right. But It's, uh, it's like an observation window from an upper office. Right, yeah. There's an office upstairs that looks over the whole restaurant, but it's it's painted on the wall to look like, what it's called? Uh, Towers that they... Oh, I just call them control tower, but... Uh, yeah. It's, that's how I'd call it. <laughs> yeah. It's painted to look like a control tower, and the rest of the walls are all like painted like sky, so mm-hmm. that it looks like it's standing it stands out. It. Yeah. Um, and then we also had um, a listener point out uh, on the website. Um, it wasn't on our Facebook page; it was on phoenixfoundation.com. Uh, Daniel Stewart pointed out that the window balcony to this office is the same window that they used. In early retirement, when Pete is supervising the dismantling of all the nuclear the weapons, nuclear weapons um, which makes sense, um, but it actually looks like it is a part of this room. Right. So they probably use it as an insert for that episode. And right. Then right. Came right. Back to it to use it as a bar for this for this episode, and it was as we said previously in Rock the Cradle. Mm-hmm. But when they walk into this restaurant, this picture that Jack has never seen is hanging up over the bar. Right. Presumably, it has been for a long time. 
And he was supposed to have frequented the bar and rocked the cradle. So mm-hmm. you would think he would notice a picture of his dad. Exactly. Or someone who looks like his dad. And certainly would know the bartender. Or the bartender would say, hey, you look exactly like... And your name is exactly the, the same. Yeah, and you have the same name as him. So yeah, different bar. Yeah. I, I would say I'm like 99% it's a different bar. Yeah. But it's the same bar. <laughs> it's definitely the same bar. Because even the alley is the same. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're now introduced to one of Jack's... Jack Dalton Sr., uh, his flight crew, Sparky, who's now retired from the military and runs this bar. Now, Jack Dalton Sr. won a posthumous medal because he stayed at the airplane controls when they were shot down and allowed his flight crew to bail out. Yeah. Um, So he stayed on on board until the plane crashed. And so Sparky is, like, grateful and indebted to Jack Dalton's father. And... When Jack comes in and introduces himself, like he's like, oh, gosh, yeah, absolutely, have a drink on the house. And they start questioning him about Francine and yeah. where she might be. But Sparky is trying to act like he doesn't know anything about her. Right. But he kind of gives like a signal to this elder waitress. Who, who I, I think is supposed to be a red herring for yeah. Jack's mother here. Yeah, I was like, oh, she must be that. Because she seems like she's the right age because she looked like she was in her like 70s. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and so I was thinking, okay, that's got to be her. Because even MacGyver kind of is like looking over at her. But she goes up into that private room. Right. And disappears. And from that, now we see another woman, a younger woman, look down from the Who's observation about window. 17 years older than Bruce McGill. Right. Which adds up. Yeah. I mean, because her story is that... She had kids young. Mm-hmm, well, yeah. They, they, they got married. She got pregnant. That night before he left right. for the war, and he was immediately shot down, and she was left with this kid. Um, so Francine Dalton, also known as Franny Leyland, yeah, uh, she's up there, ha- presumably hustling these guys from poker. Yeah, like she she is definitely the mother of Jack Dalton. Yeah, um, and when Jack introduces himself to her, she is very disinterested in talking to him. Yeah. She she plays well. Oh, what do you want? Like, you want an apology? You know, I said goodbye to you a long time ago. Yeah. And, and obviously, he's just getting sadder and sadder. Yeah, this is really cutting Jack hard. And so Jack storms out. And I love this thing because Francine starts counting her winnings. And MacGyver just rips the money out of her hands and throws it and says, You can count your money later. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, but Francine tells MacGyver that she's doing this for Jack's protection. Yeah. That is, if he stays away from her, he's safe. Yeah. Um, which is too late because Arthur Bandell's goons, Kenny and Dave, meet up with Jack while Jack broods in the alley. Yeah. The same alley in which the guy was shot. Yeah. By two henchmen, oddly enough. Yep. This, it's bad to be out in that alley alone because yeah. two henchmen are always going to come and get you. Uh, so when Francine... Uh, and MacGyver go out to try to like console Jack. They already see him being loaded up into a car and being ready to driven away. Yeah. But MacGyver jumps onto the hood of this car. Yeah. And he's just clinging on as it spins around. And they finally like slam on the brakes, which causes him to fly off. And then they try to run, run him down. It's it's a crazy stunt. Yeah. Like the whole thing. Obviously, it's not Richard Dean Anderson, but the whole stunt is really amazing. Yeah. And. Uh, so they take off, and MacGyver and Francine realize that now Arthur Bandell has Jack, and before they can go after him, 
Jesse Colton arrives. Right. And now is after Francine and here to take her prisoner. Yeah. And takes MacGyver prisoner for the trouble. Yeah. Which I probably illegal. Probably illegal. He throws them both in the back of his van though. Yeah. I was like I was thinking about that. I was like, I guess you could say he's aiding a fugitive. Like you could make that argument. Like that he attempted to aid the f- the fleeing a fleeing fugitive, yeah, and that's why he took citizens arrest. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like there's a gray area where he has an argument, but at the same time, I think MacGyver could easily have sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're both secured to uh, a bolted ring that's at the bottom of the van. Like like they're cuffed together, and then the ring, the chains of the cuff link through this uh, ring. Yeah. That's bolted. And for whatever reason, he left a he tire left, iron. He left a tire iron with the exact same size mm-hmm. as the as the bolt being used to hold them to the base of the car. Um, and they're trying to basically debate with him here. Mm-hmm. He says that he's getting paid fifteen thousand. Yep. By to bring the him back. bail bondsman to bring him back. And she says, "Well, I'll pay you twenty five thousand out of the safe at the wingman if you just take me back to the restaurant and right. drop me off." And uh- and it doesn't take him more than 10 seconds to decide, like, all right, well, there's a payphone. I'm going to give him your offer, and then yeah, he can bump his up to 30 if he wants. Otherwise, we're, we're coming back to the wingman. Yeah, it, he's he's very reasonable. Yeah. Um, yeah, because his character is all about, like, he wants to get out of this business, and he wants to, to, to head out to Hawaii and yeah. Maui. And every time they're driving in the car, he's listening to this sort of aimless mm. ukulele music. And um, the reason that they need to hurry is because... Uh, Sparky, the bartender, is actually Francine's dead man switch. Right. If she is taken or she disappears... He has a disc with a bunch of incriminating information on it mm-hmm. that he's supposed to deliver to a specific person at the Justice Department. Right. Uh, the, it's actually smart, because then, like, you know, she never has the information. Yeah. So if she's taken, it doesn't matter. And and she just has to keep checking in with him to indicate that she's in the clear. Correct. Uh, so... Colton pulls over to make the phone call to the bail bondsman. And it's a really fun conversation because it's, it's, it's again, very reminiscent to, like, what De Niro talking to Joy Pants uh, in Midnight Run. Yeah. And, I need to rewatch that. That's such a good movie. Yeah. Everyone should see it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, De Niro, Charles Grodin, uh, a lot of fun characters like Joy Pants and Dennis Farina. Yeah. Uh, but Grodin plays such... An interesting character. Mm-hmm. It's just really, really... Fun. I mean, like, I love him in almost everything. Yeah, 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 But it's just a really interesting character. It reminds me a lot of um, uh, Mad Dog and Glory. Mm. Where it's like, the the guy that's usually the gangster character is the straight man, and then yeah, the yeah. guy that's usually, like, the comedic screwball is the one that's, like, the gangster. But it's it's really fun. Uh, so Colton's on the phone with Marty Rico, and the conversation is just like... Hey, you're offering me fifteen thousand to bring her in. She wants me to get. She give me twenty five to let her go. I think I'm gonna let her go. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically gives him the, the one last chance to bump his offer up to thirty, mm-hmm. which he doesn't seem interested in doing. Uh, but he's under no choice. He has to. Yeah. Uh, so Rico agrees to the thirty. But in the meantime, MacGyver has used the tire iron to loosen the bolt and gotten the keys, which Colton left. In so, the ignition. so as soon as Colton turns around, his car, which was already running, is now skidding away. Yeah. Uh, and luckily, Sparky has been delayed by the bureaucratic red tape of trying to get a hold of the district attorney involved in the case. Yeah. He has the name of the person that he's trying to reach out to, 
but they're they're holding him up and transferring him to this specific person that right. he's supposed to talk to, Jastrum or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, it's a character we never meet, so it's yeah. just like, uh, we never even hear his voice. Uh but Francine arrives at the bar just in time, and, and Sparky just hangs up the phone on the guy. Well, they make it seem like it's, oh, man, that was a close call. But it's like, yeah, he almost turned in the bad guy. Yeah. Like, would that have been so terrible if that happened? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess... It probably would have been incriminating for her, too. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if the police suddenly arrive, they have no reason to keep Jack alive. Yeah. Um, so uh, they call Arthur Bandell, who's got Jack, and Jack is pretty much convinced at this point that, still, that Francine wants nothing to do with him. Yeah. In fact, he's betting that that this is going to be the end of his life because she's not going to come for him. Yeah. Uh, but they call into Arthur Bandell, and they agree to make a trade in the morning for the disc for Jack's life. Yeah. And uh, the location... Because it's impossible to copy a disc. Impossible. You can't copy a floppy. Yeah. Don't That's... copy don't copy that floppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to put that clip Yeah, in the, uh, that PSA has to go up on here. Back back in the day, you used to be able to rent video games, and you used to be able to rent computer games on, on disc. floppy disk. And you uh, could just make a copy of it. Mm-hmm. But don't copy that floppy. Yeah. They made like a wrapping PSA about not copying and pirating software. And it's pretty incredible. So. Yeah. It didn't work. No. They just stopped renting out computer games. Yep. They actually did a sequel, Don't Copy That Floppy 2, that they followed up where it was like an updated one about piracy and stuff like that. Oh, okay. But it's interspersed with like interviews with software developers and like, like, oh, I make games and my money comes from selling the copies, mm-hmm. so how dare you make copies of it? It's no. Like, See, that's the excuse. Assuming that children have any sense of guilt. Yeah. And also, it's really misleading because if you were a software engineer who's developed a game, you've you already get, you been get paid, paid hourly. You don't get residuals per per copy. Yeah, I mean the game company loses we're not, money. We're not trying to advise people to pirate software, and it yeah. still affects the engineer in the long term if massive piracy results in a discontinuation of a franchise or yeah, the collapse or game of company. a company. But does it? Because uh, game companies like uh, I can't remember the, the company that makes sh- the Shantae. Uh, games i don't know those ones uh she's like it's a really silly weird it's like a it's a 2d platformer uh with like 16-bit pixel art yeah um but with interspersed with like really like anime girls with like big breasts and stuff yeah but they're really good games yeah um and they they the company wasn't no one was interested in releasing the games anymore so they kickstarted their own game yeah um same with the psychonauts guy like he kickstarted his own game well you're talking about psychonauts too yeah. Didn't that cause a lot of problems, though? Did it? I was pretty sure he raised all the money and then the game didn't come out. Oh. Well, maybe that was a bad example. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, again, I'm not advertising for piracy. I'm just saying that these commercials and these misle- they're very misleading yeah. as to as to who gets paid for what. Regardless, don't copy that floppy folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Arthur Bandell's lair. So this is, we don't know what he does except some kind of financial stuff. But his office is laid out like an industrial facility. Yeah. And it's like, and I said while we were watching, this is like something out of the movie Toys. It's such a bizarre, modern layout of a building. Um, all kinds of crazy color schemes. and It honestly looks like the same building from season three, episodes one and two, Lost Love. But they're approaching it from the opposite angle. Because mm. the elevator bays look the same to me. Not the one that she's in when he's underneath it, but yeah, yeah, the yeah. ones on the outside of the building look the same, and there's also 
some vents that lead into this building. Yeah. Seem to be a reused vents. Um, yeah, so the there's only one guard on the outside, but right. um, Francine was told to come alone. So she pulls into the parking lot while MacGyver attempts to infiltrate from the outside. Right. And while he's trying to get through the vent, Colton finds him. Right. I don't know how he knew that they were going here. But the vents that he's trying to get in are these two giant circular vents, mm-hmm. which are identical to the two giant circular vents from Lost Love that he and Jack used to get into the same building to steal right. the Jade Dragon when they were being blackmailed into stealing it. Right, right. And so uh, MacGyver goes about opening them the same way that he did the last time, which is that he unscrews the Each bolts screw. one at a time. And then they're able to take the thing down so they can get inside. But he only gets halfway unscrewing one of them before yeah. uh, Jesse gets impatient with him. Yeah, so he convinces Colton to help him. Right. Because he says, look, if we can rescue them, you can have Francine and take her in because she wants to testify. Yeah. Um, and then you can collect your money. But in the meantime, I need to re- keep my friends from getting killed. So either yeah. either stay out of the way or help. Yeah. And so... She's not going to be worth anything to you dead, I think it, is what he says. Yeah. So Colton, in an attempt to speed up the process of opening Actually, the event... Actually, that's not true, because he says later that she's worth the same living or dead, which is obviously not true. That's obviously not true, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's, not like a, it's not like a wanted poster. Yeah, it's not a dead or alive situation. They want her to testify, so she's worth significantly less dead. Um, so Colton wraps his trench coat around the gun barrel, and when he shoots, it makes no sound, neither does the vent as it's blown Getting open. shot, yeah. And there's basically, you know, there's there's all these like horizontal like slats, slats like in registers, the, in the vent that just it's basically stop motion. Mm-hmm. They have one frame of it as a fully functional undamaged vent, one frame where they kind of bent the panels in slightly mm-hmm. so that it looks like they're getting pushed in, and then another one where they're a little bit further back. Yeah. And then they're just gone, but it makes no sound when yeah. it fires into the vent. And it's very weird and fake looking. Yeah. And and obviously, wrapping your coat around a gun does not make it silent. Right. Especially when the barrel is exposed. Yeah. Because the sound comes mostly from the barrel. Yeah. Um, they, they did this, I think, in one of the Godfather movies where they wrapped... It's in uh, the flashback yeah. when... Uh, De Niro goes to kill the guy that's been charging protection to mm-hmm. everybody in the neighborhood. And he wraps a towel around the end of the gun and he fires it. Yeah. It still makes a loud noise. Yeah. Even though he wrapped it in the towel and the towel catches on fire mm-hmm. when, after he fires it. But yeah, that, that, that don't work. Uh, suppressors or silencers are very specifically designed. Yeah, everybody thinks it's that pew, pew sound and that's not a realistic silencer sound. A silencer going off next to your ear is still deafening. Yeah. It's just not as loud yeah though i have to say this the shotgun silencer in uh, no country for old men yeah is amazing yeah uh but uh so colton's job is to take out the guard uh which he does off camera we never see it happen um they probably filmed it though i would imagine yeah it's like just a sh- quick shot of him like coming up behind him and knocking him out but yeah it really isn't important yeah to, enough to see um so francine arrives and uh, she is led up to Arthur Bandell's office. And I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I always think it's really neat. These hydraulic piston lift elevators. Yeah. Um, for people who aren't familiar, it's basically, you know, elevators usually work on cables that encounter weights that 
lift the elevators up and down on a pulley system. Yeah. Where this hydraulic lift is actually just a giant metal rod beneath the elevator and is just lifted up. Yeah. But it always seems like such an impractical thing because that means if you have four floors to go up, you have to have four floors four of room for it to, to slide go, into, go into yeah. the ground. Or it's collapsing on itself. Like know, telescoping? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem like it just seems like it's a big solid piece of metal. Yeah, it does. Um but they're neat because they're completely silent. Yeah. Um because all the hydraulics and stuff are underneath and so you just don't get that noise. Yeah. Uh so MacGyver just as, dangling from Yeah, he's it. he's like hanging on underneath it as it goes up because he came in from the bowels of yeah. the of the building. And But uh, as he goes up, he, he notices that there's another elevator catching up with him. Mhm. And, and so he's stepping over to the side to get onto the top of that one. Right. But at some point, he was alongside that elevator, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, if the, He would have been that seen. that guy was in the elevator. Yeah. The, the Kenny was in there. Yeah. Because for some, re- for some reason, they decided it would be most effective to position themselves on every single floor. Yeah. Um, and uh, so MacGyver rides the elevator all the way up because they're on the top floor. But there's an additional maintenance level. Uh, where he was able to access from the roof of the elevator. Right. Because this is all in a huge open room. Yeah. It, it's it's a really crazy, weird building. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver makes his way into the electrical room where he's going to start sabotaging the power. Um, and he does that just as they're trying to access Francine's disk. Which they don't have a password for. Right. But now their computer's shut down, so it's irrelevant. Yeah. They don't have the password. So uh, the first goon, Dave, goes up to check out the electrical room, and he sees that all his levers are pulled down, and he, you know, just flips them back up. And uh, but he also notices one of the protective covers is missing, and MacGyver has cleverly left a door open on the side to, to lure the guy out to lure them to lure him out. Um, so uh, they open up the disc, and they see that everything seems to be in order, and MacGyver uh, kicks Dave, the goon. Into some weird airtight cabinet. Yeah, it's like it's got like like submarine like hinged door like watertight sealed doors. Yeah, he kicks them in his little room and then seals them in. Shut. Yeah, and uh, and then turns off the power again. Yeah, it's not <laughs> the first time MacGyver's locked someone in a room where we're pretty sure they didn't get out. Yeah, uh, that that poor guy in the walk-in freezer in the in, in Blood Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I also love that, that. I think he did that to somebody in the in the Out of the Cold episode too, where he like knocked a guy unconscious and threw him in a dumpster and like left him there in yeah. that giant laundry factory at the end. Mm-hmm. But also, MacGyver is the master of the repeated distraction, like way back in the day of like Golden Triangle, yeah. where he just keeps pretending to lay down on the rack and yeah. luring guards over to him. <laughs> um, so he shuts the power off again. This time causing uh, Dave to go up. Yeah, and now they're suspicious that there's somebody in the building screwing with things. So um, the access to the power room is up this stairwell with one of those, like, uh, laying flat doors. Yeah. So, like, it's just, yeah, it's it's basically a giant roof hatch, but it's, like, the size of a door. Yeah, but it looks like a giant, like, sub-zero refrigerator door. Mm -hmm. It's It's a huge, heavy door. You know, to keep it from, like, the wind blowing it open and and to keep rain from falling in. Uh, So the door's open, and Dave just peeks his head up just enough for MacGyver just just to... cave it in. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He just drops this door onto his head. And And it knocks the guy down the stairs, and we 
Well, you see the guy just sitting there, and you can hear him breathing. You can mm-hmm. hear some kind of sound coming from him. But he, the, I'm calling it. I'm calling. Yeah. He's brain dead. Or yeah, he's brain dead. It's just operating purely on on uh, the the basic motor functions to yeah, keep yeah, himself yeah. breathing. Yeah. And the moaning is just because he's bent over in he's, the air. His medulla oblongata is the only thing intact. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. They should come back to this character and. Like MacGyver spends his weekends feeding him, and yeah, <laughs> or he's in a he's in a captain. There's uh, like a whole hospital full of henchmen, and MacGyver <laughs> is like permanently maimed that he goes and volunteers oh, his time with. It's awful. He's like in like he's like Captain Archer. Yeah, like he's just in a chair that goes beep beep. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only way he's able to talk. Uh, so now, I guess Ben Bandel is like impatient. He realizes that both of his goons are gone, so he takes Francine hostage. Even though she already was. Uh, and he's basically saying... Because Colton now makes an appearance with his shotgun. Yeah. And he he wants Francine, but he says, I'll kill her. And MacGyver is forced to like climb down the superstructure of this building in order to make his way around. So Colton and Jack are keeping Bandel facing the away, away from him. Yeah. They keep... they Every time Bandel starts to want to make a turn to look around, they say, give it up. You know, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll shoot her, I'll shoot you and get her. And they're tricking him into backing towards this elevator. The mm-hmm. time. Or not the elevator, but the exit. The, the exit door, yeah. And Colton, Colton even like makes a, a response. Is like, you might as well put that gun down. In fact, I jump all over that idea. I guess, as if MacGyver hadn't already yeah. planned like, to do that. I just realized what you could do from up there, MacGyver. Yeah. Jump down on the guy. So of course he does. He jumps down. But he knocks, knocks the gun free. Knocks the gun free. They take it away. Colton it's still th- slightly within reach, so MacGyver knocks it further. Yeah. Probably toward another bad guy. But he's <laughs> su- such a big fan of just kicking guns away instead mm-hmm. of like, just pick it up and disable it. But uh, but Colton is cur- perfectly fine bringing the shotgun up to Bandel yeah. and saying, I gotcha. And, uh, and even though Colton plans to take Francine in, MacGyver asks, hey, you know, can they get a, get a little bit of a some time together yeah. since they haven't been actually had a moment where they could talk. Yeah. He says they've been father, waiting son to daughter. years for this son, moment. Yeah. Son to daughter. Son to daughter. Siblings. Mother to son. They're closer to, to in age to siblings. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the, the act five roundup is, I guess this has to be weeks later. Yeah. Because Francine is not, a wanted fugitive, and they are already talking about the Bandel. Super, the the ultralight is finished. In, in <laughs> They're flying. MacGyver's living room. Uh, no, because they're celebrating that Bandel has been incarcerated. So right. the, the court, the yeah, trial, the trial is trial over. Ended, yeah. And Francine has been either exonerated or released because she's not a wanted fugitive anymore. And they get a postcard from Colton from Maui. So this has to be a long time later. Yeah. But he obviously hasn't retired to Maui because we see him at work later in the series. Yeah. Um, so he must have either but blown all that money. he saved up for a vacation. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, I mean, he must have eventually gotten that 30000 from Rico, right? Well, yeah, that was the whole point. Like, MacGyver's deal was, I'll let you have Francine, but we need to get them or they're both going to die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, Colton was, was took Francine in for the deal he made with Rico, but... Uh, it's fine because Francine wanted to testify anyway. This was all part of her plan. She just needed to wait 
survive until the court date. Yeah. But she also really hasn't been tied up in this whole mess for 37 years. No, exactly. I mean... Like, he makes it sound like, oh, she's been waiting 37 years to finally be able to see her son again. It's like... No. No, she was avoiding him for 28 of those years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is only a recent yeah. change of events. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Twins. Yeah. A little bit, but... but she, find the mom. Yeah, but, but she was she was led to believe that they were dead. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and but she didn't believe them when they arrived, and they both had that kind of like cold shoulder, sad moment. Yeah. Um, so it kind of made me kind of you know think of that for some reason. I don't know. But they're all together, and presumably Jack will form a relationship with his mother uh, off camera. Yeah. Because I don't think she comes back. Yeah. No, I don't. I think this yeah. is the last we see of Ma Dalton. Uh. But we will later meet Ma Colton. Yeah, Ma Colton and the Coltons. What a what a weird introduction. I, I love spinoffs. I really yeah. do. I think I think that when you introduce a character for a one shot episode and he says, I'd like to see more of that character. That's yeah. a really interesting character. Um that's always a really kind of an interesting and risky move. Yeah. Um That should be a segment on our next podcast where we just discuss a show that was a spinoff of a previous show. Yeah. Or you do Mork and Mindy right there, right off the bat. Mork and Mindy, Joey. Oh yeah, Joey. Frasier. But 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 here's That's crazy when it takes on a whole life of its own. Like Frasier wasn't even in the first couple seasons of Cheers and then he came in. Well he 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 was there. Because he was not in not many of the first season, but because he was definitely in the Shelley Long seasons, though. Right, but there were six Shelley Long seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he, he was like her professor. Right. Um, and uh, But then also they introduced like Lilith as Beeman Be- Be- North as Lilith. But uh, yeah, but then Frasier went, had ten seasons on its own. Yeah. And But I was thinking more like in the lines of a, a character is introduced for one episode... And then people are like, I like this person. Yeah, let's see, a, make a whole show. Yeah, because well, I, I feel like that's what happened with Frasier. Like, originally he was just supposed to be, like, the foil yeah. for Sam. And then it got to the point where people were like, oh, no, like, people actually care about this guy. Yeah. And then, like, she left the show and they were like, do well, we keep, have to get rid of Frasier? Yeah, no, we'll keep, we'll keep Frasier. The show. Yeah, <laughs> Frasier became a regular at the bar. Yeah. Um, and the same with Joey, because like, Joey was a main character Throughout the whole series of Friends, that's true. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, he was in the pilot, so he's, it's not like he was like a character that just showed up. Exactly. Yeah, uh, but still, but still, spinoffs are are interesting. Spinoffs and crossovers, because you know, like Cheers had a crossover with Wings when they established that they're all in the same universe. Yeah, I think usually that, it's it's a channel universe. Mm-hmm. Like you had uh, Magnum PI do a crossover with Murder She Wrote. Yeah, and stuff like that, where it's just like. It's only within a network. They usually don't go further than that. Although, I guess the DC universe has been kind of doing that a little bit. Yeah. Well, and just recently we had Family Guy and The Simpsons. Right. Which, and those are both Fox, but yeah. Yeah, but it, but it makes no sense. Right. Like, those, like, the Simpsons don't even have the same amount of fingers. Like, well, they, they're just different. <laughs> different. Areas. They're all jaundiced. Yeah. <laughs> well, The Simpsons did a crossover with Futurama. Does Futurama... How many fingers are there in, on a human in Futurama? I think it's the same as The Simpsons. No. Maybe they all have, do have five fingers. I don't know. I actually never really paid attention. Because they, they definitely did a crossover there, too. That was after Futurama got canceled, I think. Mm. Uh, and now Seth MacFarlane is pitching his sci-fi show. Yeah, Which yeah, will be yeah. like his Futurama. That'll be, that'll be curious. I, I bet I'll enjoy some of it. I, although I have yet to enjoy an episode of American Dad. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I think American Dad is way better than Family Guy. Well, I, I don't think very highly of Family Guy oh, okay. anymore either. Well, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we have a good discussion here. Yeah. Not about this MacGyver episode. Yeah. I, I think we've covered this this episode. Yeah. It's a good episode. It's fun. Yeah. Um, it, I, it feels very standard. It feels like someone read the show Bible where it said, here's how you write an episode of MacGyver, and they wrote an episode of MacGyver. Mm -hmm. Whereas last week, I think someone was like, I have a crazy idea for a thing. Yeah, Let's yeah, write yeah. this. And then they wrote it, and it was awesome. Uh, and not that this, this is a bad episode by any means, right. but it's very formulaic, and it follows a very standard operating procedure for MacGyver episodes. Yeah, and I really, I mean, as much as I love Jack as a character, but as far as his backstories, I'm more interested in, like, the hijinks he's pulled off. Yeah. Not so much his connection to his family. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good stuff, too, but I'd rather, like, like, like Jack shows up in the back and says, hey, yeah, listen... I did this job a couple of years ago, and this guy's after me, and I really need your help. Yeah, yeah. That's more interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, it actually would have been better, like, like if Ma Dalton was involved in a scheme that he had done. Yeah. And that's why she had to disappear. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, there, there's other ways you could have taken it. Um, because they don't. They certainly don't make her seem like she's a nefarious. As nefarious as Jack. Right. It's like they, the, well, they, they introduce her and they, they make it very clear that she has, like, illegal business dealings. Yeah. But that she's not the big baddie. That yeah. she's under the thumb of someone who's much worse. Mm -hmm. So that way she can roll over on this person and not be in jail for the rest of Jack's life. Right. But still be, like, at least redeemable in, in the eyes of the viewer. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's about it for this one. Yeah. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, PhoenixFoundationPodcast.com. If you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. And tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 4, Episode 9, Cleo Rocks, <laughs> which is, I believe, um, another Penny Parker. Murdoch and Penny Parker. Nice. Isn't it a Murdoch episode? Uh, it says uh, Arch Nemesis. Yeah, scroll down a little bit here. Yep, we got some Murdoch going on, so uh, that'll be a good one. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you.